Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking about tips to store and purify your water before you don't have any. Another way we can be prepared should times get rough. So stay tuned. Today we're going to be looking at three different articles on Jackie's website. And I did just want to say before we got started that you will hear a few things that may sound contradictory. And that is because Jackie is putting together lots of great information from different sites. And sometimes the sites will vary with their opinions. So for example, in storing water, one one bit of information that is shared might say never use milk jugs containers. And then in another section, it, uh, you might hear me say to use milk jug containers. And this is because we are pulling from different places for information to give you the most well thought out and helpful to educate you to help you through these difficult times. Having clean potable, which means safe to drink, water in an emergency can mean the difference between life and death. Most of us are so used to having running tap water on demand that we forget that source can vanish overnight. In fact, many of us, if we have lost our power, which means losing our well or our availability to tap water, we would realize within just a few minutes how much we are reliant on this modern facility. Even more important than stocking up on non-perishable foods is to make sure you have a ready supply of clean drinking water. While you can survive for weeks without food, your body will start to shut down in just days without water. Even short of a major emergency, city folks are all familiar with boil water notices due to contamination. And rural folks know that your well pump just won't work when the power's out. But what about water in a real prolonged emergency? What do you do if you don't have access to basic services due to a protracted power outage or civil threat where you can't leave home? One way you can store water is collecting with rain barrels. Dr. Joseph McCullough says, if you're not collecting rainwater and have no freshwater source on your property, be it a well, lake, or stream, you'd be wise to plot out where your nearest water source truly is. The purpose of this podcast is to bring together reliable information to get us all, including myself, up to speed on what we need to consider. You may want to go to Jackie's original article on this and print it out and keep it with your supplies. You may also want to take lots of notes as we go through different information here. As we face runaway food prices and shortages of both food and energy, Jackie is advising everyone to stock up now. Peggy Hall covers a quite a lot of territory regarding water, including how they are controlling water, in a 33-minute video, which again will be in the show notes with the link to the original article. Generally, a normally active person needs to drink at least two quarts, which is a half a gallon of water each day. Standard emergency guidelines suggest that you store at least one gallon of water per person 
per day for three days for drinking and sanitation. But is three days supply really sufficient? With the current threat of rolling blackouts of electrical grids, it may be wiser to store a two to six week supply. And some experts believe those in vulnerable areas should be prepared with six to eight months supply in a worst case scenario. If if municipal water is unavailable, there's mass looting and staying inside the only option. So let's look at those minimum standard water storage guidelines. One gallon per day per person is for drinking, cooking, and hygiene. So three day supply times one person is three gallons. 14 days or a two week supply times one person is 14 gallons. So calculate the number of days of water needed times the number of persons in your home and that will be the gallons you need to store. Consider your family members' needs and habits to decide the actual amount of water you store for an emergency. Do you have young children, pets? Consider your storage space, storing more water for hot climates, pregnant women, and persons who are sick. Watch the expiration date for store-bought water and replace non-store-bought water every six months. We will all need to adjust our normal habits to get through an emergency period. Assess the area you live in and figure out where you will get water if there is a catastrophic event. Store water in multiple containers, both large and small. Although it's good to have a large volume of water stored, you should have some set aside in smaller, portable containers light enough to carry in an emergency. Be sure to take into consideration that water weighs 8 pounds per gallon. Two-liter pop bottles are a good option for inexpensive small-volume water storage. But you must know that over time, these water containers can break down and leak. It's recommended to not store them next to food or other items that can be damaged by water. It's not recommended to use milk jugs for storing water. These jugs can become brittle and break down within a short period of time. Glass containers are also not recommended for water storage because they can crack during a freeze or break easily during an emergency. Water stored improperly can be hazardous to your health. Following are some basic tips for storing water safely over extended periods of time. So what do you need to know about water containers? Only use containers that previously held water or products intended for human consumption. Never use a container that contained toxic material such as cat litter, pesticides, solvents, chemicals, oils, or antifreeze. Check the recycle symbols on plastic containers before reusing. Numbers 2, 4, and 5 are the safest. Numbers 1 and 7 you should use with caution and definitely avoid numbers 3 and 6. So how do we store drinking water? The Penn State Extension makes storing water simple for an emergency, especially when the water is not contaminated. You can check out again by the going to the link in the show notes, the original article, uh, Tips to Store and Purify Your Water. Select the option that is best suits your family, and here are some guidelines. Method A, if your water comes from a public water supplier or is disinfected, you can store it in a clean soda bottles or milk jugs with screw-on tops. Follow the directions below. One, thoroughly wash plastic soda bottles or milk jugs with warm soapy water. Use containers with screw-on tops. Sanitize the container by putting one teaspoon of household liquid bleach in one quart of water. Pour this solution in the container and leave it there for two minutes. 
Pour the sanitizing solution from the container. Rinse the container with potable, suitable for drinking water. Number two, fill the bottles or the jugs directly from the faucet. Cap tightly and label each container with the words drinking water and the date stored. Number three, store sealed containers in a dark, dry, and cool place. Number four, if after six months you've not used the stored water, empty it from the containers and repeat steps one through three above. Method B is if your current water source is contaminated or you do not wish to prepare your own water for storage, purchase bottled waters from the store. Bottled water is available in local discount stores or grocery stores. Purchase gallon size or larger containers of bottled water. Consult the bottled water publication to learn more about how to select a good quality bottled water. Follow step three and four above once you've purchased the bottled water. Not every type of water filter is rated for emergency use. An at-home Brita pitcher with its small charcoal filter is not sufficient to actually count as emergency water filtration. They do improve the taste of water, but they're just not as effective at removing contaminants from water. Here's some thoughts by Dr. Joseph Mercola. If you maintain a clean rain barrel setup and treat the water as recommended to kill off any pathogens, the rainwater will probably be safe to drink. I would still recommend putting it through additional filtration, though, just to be safe. Diarrhea, vomiting, and dehydration caused by contaminated water could be a death knell in an already hazardous situation. Filtration systems such as the Berkeley system that can filter out pathogens would be ideal. Also, be sure to stock up on extra filters. These kinds of filtration systems can also be used to filter other, far more questionable water sources, such as water collected from a lake or stream. Even a small survival water filtration system, such as Life Straw, is better than nothing and will allow you to filter the water you're about to drink no matter where you are. If you don't have a filtration system capable of filtering out bacteria, viruses, and protozoa, You'll need to filter out any debris first and then disinfect it using other means. Options from the EPA include boiling. It won't remove debris, chemical contaminants, or other impurities, but it will kill bacteria, viruses, and protozoa that could make you acutely sick. To disinfect by boiling, start with water that has been run through some kind of filter. In a pinch, you could run cloudy water through a clean cloth or coffee filter. Bring the water to a rolling boil for at least 60 seconds. At altitudes above 5,000 feet or 1,000 meters, water boils at a lower temperature, so you need to boil it for three minutes. A solar kettle can be a valuable backup system that will allow you to boil water during a power outage. Let the water cool and store in a clean, closed container. To improve the taste, you can add a small pinch of salt per quart or liter of water. Other strategies that can help improve the taste of boiled water are to pour the water back and forth several times between two clean containers or stir, stir it vigorously with a large spoon. Another way is liquid bleach. After filtration, add eight drops of 6% bleach per gallon of water or six drops of 8.25% bleach per gallon. If the water's cloudy or discolored, use double the amount. Stir, let stand for 30 minutes before using. The water should have a very mild bleach odor. If it doesn't, repeat using the same dosage and let stand for 15 minutes. If the chlorine taste is too strong, pour the water between two clean pitchers several times and or let it stand for a few hours before using.
Only use regular unscented chlorine bleach that's been stored at room temperature for less than one year. You'll need a medicine dropper to measure out the drops. Do not use bleach products that are scented, color safe, or have added cleaners. Lugol's 2% iodine. First aid iodine solution is another option if you cannot boil the water and don't have bleach. Add five drops of Lugol's 2% iodine to each quart or liter of water. If the water's cloudy, add 10 drops. Stir and let stand for 30 minutes or more before using. Water disinfection tablets. You can also purchase ready-made water disinfection tablets. For those, follow the instructions on the product label. And then there's the USB rechargeable UV light, SteriPen. That's another way to destroy over 99.9% of bacteria, viruses, and protozoa. You can find links to these on Jackie's original article. Hopefully, reality is starting to set in and you've already begun considering your options. How are you going to provide safe drinking water for yourself and your family if the worst case scenario becomes reality and there's no tap water and no bottled water being delivered to the store? If you're not collecting rainwater and have no fresh water source on your property, be it a well, lake, or stream, again, you'd be wise to plot out where your nearest water source is. If you live in the U.S., findaspring.com can actually help you locate freshwater springs, most of which are relatively pristine, and those allow you to collect water free of charge or for a small fee. As long as you have water purification and disinfection supplies on hand, you'll be able to treat whatever water you're able to get your hands on. You can also purify water using sodium chloride or chlorine dioxide. Chlorine dioxide has been censored for many reasons, but it's becoming more well-known now. It is what I have for any water purification need. It's registered with the EPA as a disinfectant, sanitizer, and sterilizer, which is defined as the ability to destroy or eliminate all forms of microbial, excuse me, microbial life, including fungi, viruses, and all forms of bacteria and their spores. There's nothing toxic left behind like with bleach, and following directions, as with everything, is important. There are two methods, both work and are well documented. First, there's sodium chloride for potable water storage. Be sure the container is clean and add two drops of unactivated 22.4% sodium chloride for each gallon, four liters. Seal tightly, the water will stay fresh, taste great, and be odor-free. When you open the water, add one drop for each remaining gallon or four liters and reseal. Next, there's sodium chloride for non-potable water storage. Clean your tank with a strong solution, rinse well, fill with water and add two drops of unactivated 22.4% sodium chloride per gallon, four liters of supply. This can apply to water systems for horticulture, rain barrels, and agricultural water tanks. And then there's sodium chloride for emergency contaminated water treatment. And with this, you would use three to four drops of unactivated 22.4% sodium chloride to one gallon or four liters of water and let stand at least 12 hours. Please note these directions are only for emergency situations. You can also use chlorine dioxide as a two-part kit to activate on site. So the kit directions for that would be to mix one part, one drop of part A sodium chloride and one drop of part B 
hydrochloric acid in a clean small container to generate CDS. Once you mix the drops, wait 30 seconds for full activation. And then how to use this? Add one to three activated drops for every gallon of water, depending on its impurity. Shake or stir water, then allow a contact time between 20 and 40 minutes. Water contamination determines the time required. If the water's murky, use a filter or cheesecloth to strain the water first. When we come back, we're gonna talk about rain barrels. Have you already vaccinated your children? Or have you been experiencing yourself heavy metal toxicities? Jackie has found TRS to be very highly effective in detoxing heavy metals, yet it's gentle enough to use on little children as well. If you would like more information about that, go to deeprootsathome forward slash TRS. It's no secret that Jackie absolutely loves TRS. Here is another fantastic testimony. Our three-year-old has been so much more affectionate and loving. She's autistic and has sensory issues, so her tendency has always been to go off by herself to play, and she would actively avoid social and physical contact. Being incredibly sensitive can be so isolating. I'm delighted to report that after six months of TRS, she's so much more sociable and affectionate. It's astounding. She initiates cuddles, welcomes kisses, hugs her big sister, likes hanging out with her little brother, asks grandma to pick her up, and makes sure she's in the company of family regardless of what she's doing. She wakes up every morning with a huge grin, ready to have fun and play. We are so grateful to see our little girl blossoming and joining the world, wanting connection and affection, making eye contact and sharing laughter. Thank you, TRS. For more information, please go to www.deeprootsathomes.com forward slash TRS. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. This information comes from Jackie's article, Rain Barrel Ramblings, Clever Ways to Water the Garden and Be Prepared. The rain barrel is making a comeback. Collecting rainwater with a rain barrel or two for your garden is a wise idea, no matter what your motivation. If you're on a municipal water system, you stand to save a considerable amount of money. If drought is a problem where you live, collecting rainwater is a good way to deal with watery, watering restrictions. We just don't know how much we depend on water until we don't have it. And plants prefer rainwater to other sources of water. It's naturally soft and full of chlorine and other chemicals. So you may find, as I do, that having a rain barrel is a handy alternative to the garden hose if placed close to your veggies. The use of a rain barrel is really an old idea. There are as many ways to set up a water collection system as there are people with ideas. Whether it's a single barrel or many connecting barrels, just peruse the internet. A gravity drip irrigation system makes so much sense for veggies that appreciate consistent water, such as cabbages, tomatoes, peppers, celery, lettuce, most berry plants which need an inch a week when setting fruit. Or you can attach a hose for regular deep watering. To give you an idea, just a half inch of rain falling on a thousand square foot roof will actually yield 300 gallons of water. That's pretty amazing. You can also use the interconnected rain barrel system. You can collect by interconnecting inexpensive food grade 55 gallon drums. This system is built following a spouse's guide to building the perfect rain barrel system. 
Having a rain barrel system is also a water supply backup. Should we lose the electric grid for any length of time, for any reason? Without electricity, our well pumps will not pump water. One way would be to use a portable Berkeley system, which we now use to filter our everyday well water, and then filter rain barrel water for drinking. So here are a few last thoughts. Look locally for a rain barrel that suits your needs. Ordering online will have added freight costs. Sometimes the bigger the better, within reason, for rain collection. If you have frequent rainfall, you can get by with a smaller rain barrel. The bigger the garden, the more water you will go through. And because you don't have a lot of pressure with a smaller barrel, the more the gallons you have, the better the pressure, and the faster you can water. You need to have the barrel elevated above your target watering area. And anything over the capacity of the barrel will spill over and run off. Make sure your barrel has no way for mosquitoes to get in and breed. There are some states where it is illegal to collect your rainwater, so make sure you check out your state's laws. He, the living God, has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. And finally, I want to take from Jackie's post, Water Without Electricity, the frost-free bison hand pump. If the grid went down today, would you be able to get water without electricity? It is the very first thing you and everyone else would need. It's not a common first world problem, so we often don't think of not having enough readily available water to drink, wash hands, flush toilets, do laundry, cook, bathe, and the list goes on. Unless we know someone who's been in this uncomfortable situation and had to leave, it's not usually on our radar. Without electricity, your water faucets will not give you water, and neither will your reverse osmosis system. A home really cannot function without a source. Water is your most essential need. Do you have a well? If so, we can recommend a solution which could keep you in your home if there ever was a prolonged lack of power for any reason. Even though our only trust is in the Lord Jesus, we have always been preparedness-minded. When we built our home three years ago, we installed a frost-free bison hand pump over the well casing. We hope to install a shallow well hand pump in the mechanical room too, so we can pump water in the house, maybe even be able to flush toilets when the power is down. After having been without water at the farm several times for long periods, and having to leave our home, one was an ice storm for many days. This gives us a certain peace of mind that we can have fresh water without electricity. The pumps are made in Maine and were developed after that region's terrible ice storms of 99, which left many farmers unable to get water to their livestock. Many animals died. The bison is frost-free and works in any kind of weather conditions. Many are in use in Canada and in other several climates around the world to have access to fresh water without electricity. I do want to emphasize that bison deep and shallow wells hand pumps can be installed in the same casing as your existing electrical submersible or jet pump in nearly any situation. Please give them a call and their sales and technical staff will guide you through their, your specific installation. We've had good experiences with them. So here are a few of the features. Guaranteed access to your water without electricity. Hand water pumps are made of stainless steel. Hand water pumps install on top of your well casing. Bison hand water pumps install in some well casing with the electrical pump. The hand water pumps are appropriate for any climate. 
The Bison sells the complete hand pump assembly. They ship their water pumps worldwide. Now, I will clarify, Jackie does not have any affiliation with this company. So she is sharing this strictly because she wants to help you. But she does wish that every family had one for the sake of preparedness in this unpredictable world we live in. So she decided to share. And finally, I would just encourage you again to head over to the websites. There are three different articles that we pulled from today that have a lot more information, links, videos, and all kinds of things to encourage you and help you during these times. So I will be putting at the bottom in the show notes the links to these original articles, and we would highly encourage you to check them out. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.